asked us to speak on Luke chapter 10. Uh, so we're going to look at the first half of it, not the whole chapter, starting with Luke 10, 1 to 20. This is a passage where Jesus sends out the 70. Um, Luke chapter 10, after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And the Lord of the harvest, therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you. For the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this. The kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day. <laughs> it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for this town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No. You will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. <clears throat> the 70 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And, and this is uh, the, the passage that's just before that in Luke 9, when Jesus sent out the 12. So I'll just read that passage because it, these two go together. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God 
and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave the town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed Jesus. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Uh, I find it very um, difficult to read this passage because it's so powerful. And this is a kind of experience we had when we went to Morocco. And this was the paradigm we were working with, Jesus' teaching in Morocco. And now we're going out for six months to different nations. And... uh, it's exciting <laughs> and it's a bit daunting <laughs> but we know that God has called us to this and we're going to go with joy and uh, we just love, um, we know he's given us love for people in different places and we're, we're very excited about that and we we'll be uh, keeping in touch with you when we go. Rosemary wants to know if you have any questions. (laughs) Is that right? (laughs) Okay. So the things that that stand out for me is that um, what, what in the natural realm feels very daunting in the spiritual realm is not because we know the power of God and we know he's called us and we know his purpose. And uh, we've, we've seen already, before we even leave New Zealand, we've seen him starting to work in preparing us and bringing people uh, to encourage us and even people who are not Christians to come and tell us what to do and how to do it and so on. So we feel that, that God has got a big picture here that um, we're going to walk through in the next six months. So we'll be looking forward to, to going on Wednesday and uh, we ask you to pray for us and for the people. Well, we're more like the 700,000 or 7 million or whatever rather than the the 70 um, because there have been many, many people through the centuries who have gone and followed Jesus and taken the good news with them.
I'm finding this hard to use today. I don't know why. I usually find it straightforward, but I'm finding it difficult, so bear with me. Could you put it forward? What am I doing wrong? I'll point it this way, but then I don't know what's happening. <laughs> oh. <laughs> not what I want, but okay. What in the world? Could you come and help me, Graham? I'm, I'm really not a technical person, and it, it's, it's proving quite beyond me today and t a bit distracting. Okay, basically, um, keep going about three more than these. Past all this, past all this, past all the... I don't know. It doesn't seem to be working. <laughs> anyway, I don't know how you felt when we read those two passages. They're very similar. In fact, they're almost, um, well, they're certainly parallel. But, of course, there's a lot more detail, interestingly, given the second time around when he's talking to the 70. I wonder if that's because he um, knew the 12 so well and they were so familiar with him. The 70 were a little bit more distant from his inner circle, and so he gave them a bit more detail. And it specifies that he sent them out two by two, which is what we're doing, going two by two. And the context is harvest. I don't know about you, but I find that at the moment there is a huge emphasis worldwide in the Christian uh, church on harvest. This is harvest time. I can't remember in all my life people speaking so often about this as being harvest time. And it's the work of the Lord of the harvest, our Lord God, to send out the workers. And we believe we're going in response to prayer, not just our prayers, but your prayers. It's your prayers which will motivate and guide and direct us and provide the angels that we need, provide the people that we need to go to um, over these coming weeks and months. And we'll be able to tell you about it when we get back. Because I believe we're going to have a story to tell. Hopefully many stories to tell. And it's very much tied up with a message of peace. Peace. And you look for the person of peace. This is what we did in Morocco, as Graham said. And it's something we will continue to do. You ask God, you look for the person of peace who's going to be open and willing to listen to the story that you have. And, and so as you go, you... Um, Eat what is set before you. That's always challenging for me. I, I'm not a picky eater, but there's a few things that I find difficult. Poor Graham, when we were in India, sometime, on one occasion, we were in a tribal village, and he ended up eating, or drinking rather, all five glasses of sour buffalo milk with bits of cow dung floating on the top of it. <laughs> And none of us could stomach it, but my dear husband, we just would pass the next glass and hit down that. And the next glass down. So we were, we were trying to follow, eat what is offered to you, but it was like the family are doing this, but poor Graham was the recipient of the. <laughs> because we know you, you've got to eat what's set before you. You can't say no. It's absolutely unacceptable to say no. And sometimes you have to pray hard at the time. <clears throat> The, the difficult passage here that had Graham choked up is that sometimes there is um, resistance, a rejection of the word, and that's really, really hard. Um, I have to say, uh, what, what to us was totally miraculous. We prayed for people of peace in Morocco, and there wasn't a single pushback. There wasn't a single person who we shared the gospel with who didn't listen really intently and sincerely. We would look in their eyes and I would usually say in very simple Arabic, 
I'm going to say something very important to you. And then we'll just share the gospel. And the, the intensity and the, the sweetness of the focus really even now makes me want to weep. It was so beautiful. So, you know, there are many people who do listen. But this is a warning if people don't listen. You're not to waste time arguing. You're not to beat yourself up and keep on going and keep on going. No. If people reject you, just move on. Move on. Now, in their case, they're actually told to, to uh, declare judgment. I'm not sure we always need to do that. In the case of the 12, they were just told, shake the dust off your shoes and just keep going. And I think we're probably more likely to do that than have very much to say on the matter. But the, the, the key thing is that we are representing, we are representing the Lord Jesus. So that really is a huge responsibility. He gives us his authority. He gives us his name. And he says, if they listen to you, they're listening to me. Wow. So we really cannot just go as Rosemary and Graham. Rosemary and Graham are unimportant in this. The one who's really important is Jesus. And I noticed that in the songs we were singing today, I don't know if you noticed the theme of kingship. The king, the king, the king came over and over again. He is my king. He is our king. And it also talked about laying everything else down. And that includes our ego our expectations of who we are. You know, sometimes it's quite nice being a New Zealander because at the moment, New Zealanders are well regarded around the world. And when we went to Morocco, they'd all heard about Jacinda and Jacinda was well regarded. But that's baggage. That's actually totally irrelevant to what we're doing, which is going to represent Jesus. And um, <clears throat> so that's our responsibility. Could, could we move on to the next one? And the next one? Maybe we're going to have to forget all that. Okay. Okay. So the job description. It's essentially the same for both. We've got good news to tell, and we have the ministry of healing, which, which again is what we were doing in, in Morocco. Uh, whether, we, whether we think we have a special gift of healing or not, it's not us at all, actually. It's the name of Jesus. It's Jesus who does the healing, and that's the thing to remember. If you see sick people, it's our responsibility to pray for their healing. It's God's responsibility to do it, by the way. We don't need to, again, don't beat yourself up. That's not our part. Our part is to pray. His part is to do the healing. There's no way we can do the healing. And uh, so he does it for us. He... He has given us the message. The message is the kingdom, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus is coming soon. He is our king. And that's, that's our message, the kingdom of God. And the next one, if it's working. The travel instructions, these are really challenging. And I, I don't know how in the 21st century we can actually do this, to be honest. We're going for six months to have no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Well, we can go without a staff, fine. We, God's, given us, <laughs> God's given us the gift of being able to walk quite well without a staff. But we do have bags, but we are trying to simplify. So we're trying not to go with masses of luggage. 
And when we go from place to place, minimal luggage. Uh, we do have extra shirt, I have to confess. We do have money, I have to confess. And I hope God will forgive us that we are doing these things with a, with a view to understanding what he's talking about here is simplicity and no extra baggage. And um, to that extent, we are, we are trying to, to live out the principles behind the instructions here. And uh, just recently, we had the word that we're going out like lambs among wolves. So, yeah, we, we accept that again. We are his sheep. We are go at his command. He's our shepherd. And also, we're, we're told not to waste a lot of time on, on superfluous things. This greeting idea, I think I understand that, that in Jewish culture, they would often have a huge ritual for greeting. We're not to go into huge rituals of greeting and irrelevant stuff. Cut to the chase cut to the chase. We're going for a purpose. Help us to keep that focus very clear and not get um, sidetracked on that. Now, we've talked a bit about what happens if we're rejected. We're just to move on. And um, then we come to the feedback. It's very interesting, very important. When we do something for Jesus, could you move on? Uh, when we do something for Jesus, it's lovely that he he expects us to give him feedback. So we can go to him afterwards and say, this is how it went, or did I really stuff that up? Was that me doing something wrong? What was happening in that village? And he, expect an answer. He will talk to us. He talks to us. And here, in, um, it's so lovely, in, in uh, both of these passages, they were able to report to Jesus. And in the passage in Luke 10, it says they returned with joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Wow. They had no idea that they could carry the authority of Jesus. Now, this is something we are taught, but we often forget that. When you go and you speak or you heal or anything else, it's not you. It's not me. It's not Graham. It's not Rosemary. It's Jesus. It's his authority that we go in. And it's lovely. Jesus' reply, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In other words, while you were doing that, Jesus was saying in the spirit something very powerful was happening. Now, he remember when he was first baptized, he'd gone into the desert and Satan had said, all these kingdoms belong to me. You worship me. They're all my kingdoms. What's happened to his kingdom? His kingdom is falling and it began to fall when? when the disciples obeyed Jesus and went out and declared another kingdom. Isn't that amazing? So when we go and we declare the kingdom of God, Satan's kingdom is falling. Because we're not talking about Satan. We're not going to waste our energy talking about him. I don't want to talk about him. I don't want to give him glory. We want to focus on Jesus, our king, give him the glory. But in the process of doing that, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of our Lord is being lifted up. That's the important thing. And then he talks about the authority he's given to them. He said, yeah, this is what's happening. You are given authority. You have authority. I think that snakes and scorpions, I mean, he may literally save us from snakes and scorpions. True for me, I lived in a country full of snakes and scorpions. I never had a snake bite. I never had a scorpion bite, nor did my brothers and sisters. So, you know, we did, we did survive amazingly. In fact, my brother had a, a snake curled up on his bed when he was a baby under a year old. And it never, never hurt him. 
So we, ha- we can testify that God was very gracious protecting us. But that's not the important thing. The really important thing, as it says here, is that our names are written in the book of life, in the book of heaven. And that's referred to in the uh, book of Revelation, the last, second last chapter of Revelation, where it talks about uh, names written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, I just want to say, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Because it's, if it's not, before you leave here today, you make sure it is. Because all these other things can go, and even our jobs can go, our health can go, all sorts of things can go. We could be, you know, uh, crashing at a plane or something or whatever. All sorts of things can happen to us. But if our names are written in the book of life, we live forever. We live forever, not just any boring life like this going on and on, which would be pretty tedious at the end of the day. <laughs> because if you're like me, even though I love life, I don't want to live forever. People say to me, you might live to 110. And I thought, I'm not sure if I want to live to 110. I'm looking forward to being in heaven, actually. Yeah. But anyway, it's going to be great. Just read about it. If you haven't read Revelation, read about it. It's going to be amazing. So, um, yeah, if your name is written in the book of life, That's because Jesus has put us there. It's because you have been forgiven for your sins because there's no way anybody's ever going to get into heaven without that forgiveness that he gives. We had a lovely opportunity um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Some of us go to the healing rooms. Graham and I go on a Friday. And it's amazing who turns up there. It's the cathedral. Um, Public servants, often government servants with their name tags on, Often they're total atheists or agnostics. They just come in out of curiosity or they come in to argue sometimes. Uh, there are people who wander in off of the streets. There's uh, women who are depressed who, who come in. Maybe they come with their child who needs prayer. Just all sorts of people. Cynics, superstitious, and sometimes saintly. A beautiful, saintly, Malaysian, Christian nun the sweetest, most beautiful woman came to pray for her friend who had cancer. Just such a wide and diverse group of people. But we came, just, I think that probably the most unusual person who came um, walked in, and honestly, if you saw him, he's a, he was the epitome of a skinhead. He was very, very thin. He had no teeth, all the top teeth completely gone. He was probably in his 30s. So you'd expect a 30-year-old to have teeth, usually. His head was shaved, and he had tattoos in his skull, and he was wearing black and boots, you know, really. He really looked the sort of person that you wouldn't want to meet, but you wouldn't expect to see in a cathedral. And what was even more amazing was that he said to us, um, I was drawn in by the beauty of this place. I love beauty. And that was a surprise. You don't expect a love of beauty in a person looking like that. Well, it shows all my prejudices. I'm sorry. All my prejudice was, well, this guy. But before he would talk to him for very long, it became obvious that he was really hungry for God, really hungry for God. He'd spent nearly all his life in prison. He'd been in Borstal before that. His mother had been in prison, so he had a lifetime of crime and all the rest of it. But he was hungry for God. So we shared with him very simply the story of Jesus and how he could ask Jesus into his heart and be forgiven for everything he'd done. 
Oh, by the way, he made his living through marijuana. He had a marijuana farm. I mean, just the whole scenario was just you know, so predictable. But he was so sincerely hungry for God. When we said, can we pray with you? He prayed the sinner's prayer so sincerely and tears coming down his cheeks. Um, the man who was with us, John Daesh, couldn't quite believe what was happening because, I mean, this was just not what you'd expect. And he, he, I don't think he thought he was sincere, so he prayed, made him pray it twice. <laughs> but I could see the man's face, and it, he was weeping. And when I told John, I said, oh, really? Oh, so he really meant it. I said, oh, he really meant it. He really meant it. He was most sincerely a believer. And, you know, when he left, the joy that filled our hearts, I can't tell you, we just literally danced around the cathedral. We danced and we danced. And, and we thought of the verse that says, you know, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who need no repentance. You know, all those others who come into the cathedral want to argue, tell you how wonderful they are, what amazing things they've done. This man so humble, so sincere, and he went out with a Bible. He didn't have a Bible, so he took a Bible. Jesus in his heart, a big smile on his face. Yes, so praise God. So, you know, we see the joy. It's not just the angels in heaven who rejoice. When we take part in anybody coming to faith, we share that joy as well. And it just bubbles up. Even now, as I think of it, you feel that same joy all over again. The joy, not just that our names are written in heaven, but now his name, Adam's name is written in heaven. Good name, eh? Adam, yeah. So, great news. You know, Jesus, some people think of Jesus as the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But Jesus was a man of joy. In fact, it says in, um, in the Psalms, in that lovely prophetic psalm, it's sort of theoretically talking about King Solomon, but when you read it, this doesn't apply to Solomon. This is Jesus. Psalm 45, 7. He is anointed with the oil of joy above his fellows. He is the most joyful person ever. Nobody's more full of joy than Jesus. Oil of joy above his fellows. The oil, of course, of the Holy Spirit. And if you've received the Holy Spirit, you know that that joy bubbles up. And it, I, I mean, I'd, I just began to laugh and laugh and get full of joy even thinking about that. And it says in Romans that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. You know, there's a lot in, in, in Luke about how he was absolutely focused on going to Jerusalem. He knew that was his destiny, and he understood better than us people exactly how ghastly and disgusting that death was going to be. But in spite of all that, for the joy that was set before him, he endured it because he knew that the outcome was going to be salvation potentially for everybody here, if you choose, and to all the others, all through the millions of people right around the world for the last 2,000 years and on until he comes. Joy. There was joy when he was born. In fact, I lost count of the number of times the word joy or related words come in the first two chapters of Luke. It's all about joy. Joy is going to, Jesus is going to be born, and it fills everybody with joy. Mary, of course, is full of joy. My soul rejoices, she says. When she goes to see Elizabeth, Elizabeth's full of joy. Even the baby, John the Baptist, in her womb is leaping, it says, for joy. 
at the very presence of Jesus, who was also in his mother's womb at the time. Joy, tremendous joy, all through the joy of, um, as we heard the other week from, um, from James, the joy of Ananias and, and uh, uh, Anna, sorry, and um, Simeon. Simeon, Simeon and Anna. At the, at the coming of, of Jesus. And then um, the joy of his ministry. In Luke 13, 17, it says that everybody rejoiced when he healed. And in Luke 19, 37, it says everybody rejoiced. This was, this was going, when he was going up to, um, uh, to Jerusalem, in fact, on Palm Sunday. They all rejoiced. In both cases, it says everybody was rejoicing. So he not only was a man of joy himself, but he shared abroad joy. As we all know, if people are healed, we are full of joy. And he was full of joy. And so um, we come to the ascension. When he had overcome death, he had risen again, he ascended into heaven, and what happened? Luke 24 says that the disciples returned from Mount of Olives where they'd seen him going into heaven with great joy. You know, you think humanly speaking that they would be feeling a bit sad and disappointed because their beloved Lord Jesus was no longer with them. He was in heaven, but actually they were filled with joy. And of course, we know that when, the, when Pentecost happened, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, joy was the hallmark of the disciples from then on. It didn't matter what happened to them. Throw them in a jail. They were singing. They were full of joy. Whatever happened to them, they were full of joy. And so this is the story of our lives. I'm full of joy. I'm full of joy because I worship Jesus, who has given me joy, who fills me with joy, and I'm looking forward to sharing him wherever we go. So may God help us. And I pray this is for for all of you because every one of us have a different context. Every one of us have a different experience. Every one of us have different ways of sharing. And that's our, that's our job description. Share the kingdom. Share the king. So may God help us all. I'll just pray with you. And after that, um, I'll just give the benediction. And then if anybody wants prayer for anything at all, uh, whether it's to receive salvation, whether it's to receive healing, or anything we've spoken about, or pray for somebody else, that's also part of what we do. Uh, please come and we, we can pray together about that. We thank you, our King. Thank you, Lord Jesus, our great King. Thank you that you are full of joy and that all that you have done for us fills us with joy. Thank you, Lord, that you were even willing to die for us because of the joy set before you. You saw, Lord God, these things that, you're, that we're experiencing now right around the world, you saw that people were going to turn to you in faith. You saw that even through suffering and through persecution and through churches being burnt and through people being cast out of their homes, even in these terrible contexts, people have kept their faith and have remained full of joy and continue to sing praises to you even today. Lord, I pray specifically for the Chin tribal people in Myanmar today. Lord, I thank you for this faithful tribe. I thank you, Lord, that right through these years of great persecution, they have shone with faith and with love and with joy. And thank you, Lord, for the precious people who are even here today representing um, this 
tribe of faith. Thank you, Lord, for those who are right around the world. I thank you for the Chin people who traveled with us to Morocco to share the joy of the gospel. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that all around the world they are now sharing that you, Jesus, are their king and you're our king. And now... May the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and may the deep compassion of our loving Father rest and remain with each one of you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he continue to fill you with his spirit and give you his peace. And I pray this in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I hide here. Under your shade, I'm held here, covered by grace, I lean in, as you call me.